Hello, fans and loyal listeners of the Wide Angle Podium. It's Rob here with a quick programming note before we kick off this episode. This episode is intended as the first installment of a periodic series we'll be running here called Criterium Nation. Its focus, which I'm sure you'll already have guessed from its name, is all about our crit-crazed culture here in the United States. In this series, I plan on highlighting the teams, events, and racers who make this particular discipline a staple of our summer days and nights. And I can't think of a better place to start than with USA Crits, our country's national criterium series. I hope you enjoy. This is No Training Wheels, and I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Nothing in cycling is more exhilarating than a pro criterium. Pack a hundred of the best bike racers onto a mile-long downtown course on a hot summer night and watch them dive-bomb corners at 30 miles an hour and launch sprints at up to 40. With fans stacked three to four deep around the course and a festival-like environment all around, you've got all the makings of the best sports has to offer. In America, we've arrived at a renaissance in Criterium Racing. With the rise of higher quality live streams, with professional broadcasters capable of reaching an audience far removed from the course, and done in a cost-effective manner, you are opening up the story of crit racing to an audience hungry for sports content. Enter USA Crits, the American National Criterium Series, which has unified a season-long calendar and championed the team aspect of the sport over the individual. With a comprehensive marketing plan, smart social media, and a buy-in from the best bike racing teams in the country, USA Crits is set to fundamentally change America's preferred style of road racing. Today we talk with Scott Morris about our Criterium Nation. We tell this story in three chapters and start with origins. Organizations like this one do not appear overnight and don't evolve without conscious thought and planning. So in order to get to the meat of the issues in chapters two and three, we need to start with what the recipe is and where it came from. Yeah, so I'm Scott Morris, and I'm the uh, Director of Development with USA Crits. What is USA Crits? What is this organization that we've heard so much about? Yeah, well, USA Crits, I mean, we are a, uh, you know, we're an organization, uh, it's, it's kind of comprised of two things, but, but, but our mothership, uh, our parentship is, is, is Swagger, uh, and it is a race production company, and USA Crits is a, is a sports product that we've created out of that. Uh, USA Crits itself. Uh, is now essentially a, the national criterium series for America. We are we are the group that puts on the only national criterium series that has ranking standards, point system, and so that's that's in essence what USA Crits is right now. Maybe very different in a few years, but as of right now, the USA Crits sports model, the sports product, is is a national crit series across America. The events that are a part of USA Crit, so San Rafael or Littleton, Boise, Westchester, are these events that USA Crits owns or are they partners? Both. It goes down to the origins of kind of the grassroots nature of cycling. Every one of those events is structured very differently. Some of those we're the actual owners of, some of those we're the primary promoter of, 
some of those we're, we're simply partners with. So we've got a different business relationship with uh, each of those events. How did these events, so we've got this season-long calendar that stretches now from March through September, at least that was the initial plan. I guess now it's stretching potentially into October. How did these events all pull themselves together to become USA Crits? Well, again, that's 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 part of our our, our job, right? Is is to pull a calendar together. One of my primary roles is to help pull the our national race calendar together. And some of these events are events that have been long standing. You know, that have been on that have been on the race calendar for a long time. I.e., Athens Twilight forty years ago, which is an event that we on. Other events were brand new. Uh, we actually worked with local communities who had an interest in a race. And we went out and actually targeted those communities and helped establish the race. So similar to what I discussed before, each of these events is very different in terms of how, how they became on the calendar. Some of them we created for the purpose of filling a calendar date. Some of them we targeted by region. You know, we Again, we're trying to be a national race calendar. So we wanted races across the country. And in order to do that, we obviously have to fit within a calendar that makes sense for travel, that makes sense for the teams, that makes sense for, you know, other competitive events that we try to work around. So, so we, we go out and target these communities and try to create these events, you know, based on any number of scenarios from when they fit into the calendar to the type of event they can put on. We have standards that we set, you know, for each of the races, because each of our races have to meet a certain standard, whether it's quality and payout. Or you know, adapting to our point series, all of these things that we do. So each of the events kind of came on in a different manner. So I could actually just go through each one. You know, we won't today, but you know, everyone came on top of the calendar in a different way for different reasons. But it all went to meet a common goal of, of helping us establish a national calendar of events. Why is it do you think that events are so interested in becoming a part of the series? Well, I think I think at the grassroots nature again of cycling is you you want to be part of something that's bigger than yourself. And fundamentally, on the economic standpoint, is being part of the national bike you know series, the only national crit series that it is. Knowing that you're going to be live stream, knowing that uh, I think each of our events a year ago, the numbers were that any event that became part of the series got a 15 percent bump in rider registration just for being part of the series. So. You know, at the very base level, there's there's an economic incentive. Although you know these events invest a lot, uh, not necessarily in us, but money that goes to the teams in terms of payout, travel money, things of that nature. So I, I think they want to be part of something bigger. It gives them the opportunity to 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 sell and promote locally that they are more than just a local bike race. You know, they are a national level of event. They are part of the national crit series in America. So. I, I think, you know, if you, you know, everybody has a goal and you know, we're always reaching upward. And I think we kind of become the standard for what is a top level bike race in America. When you look at a USA crits race, you see a high production value event. You see call-ups, you've got the uh, Oru case, basically gates that lead the riders in. You've got the live stream. Where did these ideas for creating a higher quality spectator event come from? Well, I think from, you know, internally as a team, we look at it and we're, we're just trying to do the best we can for, you know, in sports marketing, you know, looking at what makes this a watchable production. And that's the, the live stream is a very different component to what it is to just put on a local bike race for the local participants, you know, within, within budget constraints. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we can watch ESPN and, and throw in all the graphics that they do and everything. And with, and with the right budget, we can all accomplish that. But, you know, when, when we started out uh, with what we're doing, 
everything we want to have happen has to be sustainable. And, and then the next, you know, after we get to sustainable, watchable is, is, is part of our mantra that, you know, we want to be sustainable, but we want to be a watchable product. And that's why we believe crits are, you know, the future of American bike racing simply because it is the most watchable form. And to do that means we have to have a pretty decent live stream production. So we're continuing to try to up that production value. A lot of that is conversation that we have internally of just, you know, what looks good, what's interesting, you know, what, but, but also what looks good on site and what looks good on the screen, maybe not always be the same thing, but trying to cross those over and bridge those. So we're still entertaining the fans locally, as well as those watching on the live stream. So one thing that you mentioned right there in your answer was, this is all about criteriums. Why is it that you have focused an exclusive criterium racing calendar? From our standpoint, it's, it's the fundamentals of sport. We wanted to set out to create a, sta- a sustainable model for bike racing in America. And what we've all seen and what we've all been witness to over the last 10 years in American cycling is, is many of the types of races we're putting on simply aren't sustainable. We flew a ton of money at some really big events. And then we walk away two years later with nothing to show for it. And, you know, we wanted to kind of try to put an end to that. We wanted sustainable events that work for our teams that work for us, uh, that works for each of the events locally. And so crit racing has proven, you know, to be still to this day, a growing form of bike racing, the most prolific form of bike racing in America. Um, there's more crits than there are any other type of road cycling in America by far. And then, you know, and then it's also something that works at every level, right? So that it's, you know, your weeknight crit series, your regional crit, um, your, you know, your super regional crit, your national level races. But in the end of the day, they, they are an entertainment you know, part of the sport, no other type of cycling we have really is entertaining for the fans to, to, to be able to engage and watch locally, as well as being able to engage and watch, you know, via live stream or, you know, via some televised model. And so, you know, we, we went back to the very basics from when, you know, Gene with our group started doing crits 40 years ago with Athens. It was, Hey, we got to make this entertaining for the fans. Like it's one thing to put on a really cool stage race that riders like to do, but that's just not engaging for the fans. So it, it's not about, you know, what types of cycling we love. It's, it's, it's really looking at the fundamentals of sports marketing and saying, hey, crits work for the local fans. They're entertaining to the average sports fan who, you know, just wants to see an event. To the average, you know, consumer that just wants to be entertained. To the average, you know, viewer on the web. Like, it, it clicks all the boxes. Crit racing is exciting. It's fast. It's fun. It's right in front of you. It, you know, they come around every minute to two minutes. And so, you know, it clicks all those boxes or something that, that I think in cycling we failed to recognize is that if we don't create a, an entertaining sports product, then why in the heck would we want anybody to watch it? So talk about the people who are there on scene watching it. You know, I know there's a disparity uh, as far as the, the endemic nature of some of these events. Athens obviously has been there for 40 years, and it is a staple of northern georgia life every spring athens comes around and you get crowds of people there but last year i went to westchester and i raced the westchester crit and typically before a crit that i've never done before i'll ride around the outside of it just to get a sense of what the course looks like i couldn't i literally could not ride around the outside of the westchester crit because there were so many people you know front to back left to right that i just couldn't get around what are these events like on the ground? Well, you know, and it is that. I mean, it starts off the day, you know, I mean, the great thing, and, and I think event is the right word, you know, these are community festivals. These aren't just bike races. We don't try to label these as, as simply bike races. And that's, 
that's 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 in that's in really strong part to our local partners. Every one of our events, like I said, are very different, but they all have some of the same goals of putting on these really great local community events. And, and they all do it in different ways. And we work to facilitate and support that with the end of the day, what we call the show being, you know, our D1, our, our pro races at the end of the night. But, uh, but, you know, when you're on the ground, you know, it's kind of neat. It's kind of neat to get to travel and see and be part of them all because they all kind of start off with a lull, you know, with the same kind of things, infrastructure, putting stuff into place. And then they, and it's just really exciting to see everything build throughout the day. And as you, as you do with Westchester, you know, it just all builds up to the end of the night when the families and all the people come out and they've done the, the kids race happens and the amateur finals happens and, and, and all these things happen. And then there's just this, this great vibe at the end of the night when everybody's, you know, being entertained with food and beverage and, you know, and they're just out there to be entertained and see this great event. And, um, you know, we get some really amazing crowds. I mean, uh, I, I would dare say without a question, you know, there's more people that watch crit racing in America. It's got the largest bike race crowds of anything, you know, that are put on in America. And, you know, and they're all standing there for six, eight hours watching this amazing thing happen, whether they're, you know, they're supporting, you know, little Johnny and the kids race or little Susie and, or it's, you know, their, you know, their, their dad and the master's race, or it's just being there to entertain with these national racers come in and put on this show at the end of the night. And, and I think that's what really makes crit racing again very different. These are community events that we build infrastructure around. You know, from the kids zone to the expo area, uh, it allows us to create this little engaging community event right in the heart of some really dynamic downtowns. And again, each of these downtowns is very different. You know, you know, Westchester is different than Athens. You know, but both are kind of college towns and have these really cool, you know, downtowns with restaurants and bars and scenes and. You know, and it, it's, it's, you know, that's really what we replicate across the country is like, hey, these are great venues. You know, this is our arena. This is the place that we go, you know, to compete. Uh, these downtowns become our arenas. This, this is our track. This is our course. And so the opportunity to work with these local partners to create these engaging community events is really, I think, what separates the sport apart from other types of road, road racing. Are you trying to build a league? Are you trying to make USA Crits into the bike racing equivalent of the Major League Baseball or the National Football League? Yes and no. I mean, yes and no. I think it's two things. We're, we got two things in the works as it would be. One is, you know, a, a Crit product that's greater than our series. So, you know, we get a call or two a week uh, when, when, when the world's not in crisis. We tend to get a call or two a week of somebody wanting to put on a local crit race. And, and because they've heard of us, seen us, they know what we do, they've watched our stream, they're like, hey, how can we par be part of this? And so we've got two things at play. Uh, but, but the first is where we are right now. I mean, USA Crits is a series. It's, it's simply that series of events that make up our, our competition from beginning to end. And yes, we are trying to model that after what a really good sports product would look like. We're trying to reverse engineer cycling from the way we've been doing it uh, to address some of the problems, why it's not sustainable, why it's not watchable. And if we can address those things in our sports model, then we're going to do it. And that's what we're doing with USA Crit Series and the product that is our, you know, our 11 races is yes, we are trying to create what would be a team-based form of the sport to where, you know, we get away from just, you know, 120 individual riders out there to where we go to a league type model that is these teams racing across America, the green team versus the orange team, competing head to head every week. And and, and really, Rob, the, the fundamental reason for that is, is very simple. It's we have to create a product that the common sports fan, the 
you know, outside of even cycling, something they can understand. And, and we failed to do that. And when we talk about making it watchable, the fact that we failed to create a sports product that has a beginning and end tells a story, you know, here's the 20 teams, here's, you know, here's the point, here's how it works, here's where they were in, you know, February, here's where they are in September, here's the story across the line. And it's, it's the same thing we, you know, whether it's college football, lacrosse, I mean, every other sports figured out a way to create a professional league. And that's what we want this product to be. And so we are essentially working backwards. You know, if you see what we've done over the last three years, we've continued to build a team model and we're going to continue to build that team model to where eventually, yes, these races become, there's a race at the end of the night that is team only, that is these teams that are competing in the series. And it would be the equivalent of, I don't care if it's locally, your bowling league, or if you say NFL, whatever it would be, these teams are what are participating in this league. And that is the show. That is at the end of the night. That is the story. That is the big race. That is the competition is these, these 20 teams going head to head with each other. 10 women, 10 men, or 12 women, 12 men, them going head to head each other. And you not only that is you're able to watch it and then you're able to watch them in two weeks from now. And it's the same teams, the same riders, and we can tell the same story from beginning to end. We've arrived at chapter two of today's episode. Chapter 2, Professional. Crit racing lacks a purely defined professional ranking. Simply put, the time has come for crit racing to take its proper place in the sport and for those people who call themselves pro crit racers to rise to that level. Yet doing so will require a platform for those teams and those racers. This is where USA Crits fits in. By creating a league, an easily identifiable structure which fans can attach to, follow, and appreciate, all with the goal of creating longevity and growth for the teams who are a part of it. Since we're talking a little bit here about the future, let's talk about what happens in a five-year plan. You know, any good business talks about three, five, ten-year plans looking forward on out. And I promise we're going to get back to this conversation about team-only races because the teams are what make the racing exciting. You guys provide the venue. You guys provide the forum. The men and women that come there to do the racing, that's what the people are coming to watch. So we'll talk about that in a second. But Where do we see USA Crits as a series, as a league going in the next five years? Well, as, as, and again, I think uh, I mentioned one product, the other product, the the team product, I I definitely see us continuing to build, you know, what, what would be called a sports league out of the series where there's team-based racing at the end of the night. Now, again, that doesn't mean there's not still really high level, you know, individual pro one, two racing. That's just another race that happens in the day. There's the individual races, and then there's the team race. The team race is the league, is, is this concept that we've been working on. We continue to want to build that, and we want to continue to provide benefits to these teams to where, you know, in a five-year window, these are uh, essentially franchise teams similar to professional sports leagues. You know, that we're, we're, we're getting away necessarily in the big picture from what would be, you know, club-based racing. And so it's kind of interesting. I think it's going to drive itself with what the market dictates. 
whether, you know, whether there's heavy brand sponsorship involved in that, whether there are still clubs that are the funding members. So I think it's going to be some kind of bridge between what you see in kind of club style soccer, you know, international club style soccer, whether it's, you know, in England or South America and or, you know, how we franchise and, and do sports here in America. But but we want these teams to become franchised where they have some sustainability and they have some backing and they have some regionalism. You know, we we like the concept these teams grow, you know, in a regional basis to where this is my team. You know, I'm here to support my L.A. team or my Nashville team or my New York team. And so we need that aspect of it to get the fans engaged. And so I, I see us in the next five years continuing to grow kind of the, the branding franchising of these teams to where they become a staple in the series. And we help them and promote them enough that they can go out and get sponsors and become sustainable. And then I just see us growing the, the media rights value to what we're doing to where in the next two years, uh, and hopefully that was going to be next year, that we have a really strong national, international media partner who recognizes this as a, as a sports product. And we get to the point of where, you know, they've bought into this, they're investing in this, and they're covering the series, not from a, not from a news article standpoint, but from a live production standpoint of where, you know, they're pushing this out there to the world. They're like, here, watch, you know, watch crit racing in America. Here's the lead. This is one of the things that I don't understand about bike racing, and nobody's ever really explained it to me. Why is it that we are so dependent on sponsors? So dependent on sponsors to the extent that we don't even call our teams a team. You know, like there are a couple teams out there now, like Legion of LA, that doesn't have a sponsor name right up there at the front. But then the vast majority of the other teams, while the organization may stay the same, the, the organization that runs it may stay the same, the entire culture of the team shifts from sponsor to sponsor to sponsor. What's it going to take for us to be on par with like an English Premier League or, you know, the an American sports league where you've got the Chicago Bears as opposed to, you know, the Chicago Boeing. Yeah, and I think there's there's two there's two real factors in that. One is obviously we're putting on events that don't have a gate gate revenue. So, you know, our venues are free to the public. So you know, we've talked about it a lot in cycling. That's been a challenge because that's a revenue stream. That's a revenue stream, of course, that, that major sports are having to deal with right now is like, what happens when I don't have that revenue stream? But the other revenue stream is having a watchable televised product that gives enough exposure to sponsors that there's value there for them. Me racing in the biggest crits in America that nobody watches has little to no value to my sponsors. I don't care how great and interactive I am on social media and the team is the the biggest production we can do, you know, without reach on the live stream has so much more value than, than all those components that we normally, you know, we normally do for promotion put together that until we can create a sports product that's truly being watched by non-cycling fans, that's truly a sports product that the average American or international consumer can get behind, then I don't think there's going to be sponsor value there for the teams enough to justify getting away from what's kind of our club-based model of, you know, let's go pull all our local sponsors together and put a team, let's go race. I mean, it's, it's, truly, it's truly about professionalizing the sport, period. Um, it's not taking what we think of as Euro-style racing professional teams. It's creating a new sports product that, that this is the way we're going to professionalize it. And you're right, there are some teams out there now that are making that bridge 
that are that are showing that it is possible. And and at the end of the day, they have to be seen. They have to be they have to be seen in order to promote those sponsors, in order to to not necessarily have that sponsor in their name. But but at the end of the day, if we don't have a gate revenue and there's not an ownership model that that brings the revenue stream back in, then that'll never happen. And I think until we get them heavily televised, heavily promoted, external in a in a in a, in a broad sports product, then they're never going to have a revenue stream enough to get away from how we funded our teams. When we talk about getting exposure, which I think is one of the things that every every American cyclist understands that exposure is key. You you want to make sure that people across demographics, across socioeconomic groups, across regions have exposure not just to the racing, but to the sport, to the activity that is bicycles. What are the practical components? We're looking at marketing, promotion, technology, you know, getting eyeballs onto our sport. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it goes back to conversations I've had with some of the biggest sports production companies, you know, in the world, whether it's ESPN, Eurosport, you know, these guys, and when we've addressed it with them, I mean, it is essentially the fact that, you know, we have yet to create in cycling uh, a product that is watchable that has a beginning and end that tells a story from all the way across so much of it, especially in America, what we've been about is one off races. You know, we've, we've, we've had one big event, let's call it California that has this, you know, that, that was this random, you know, collage of teams that come in from all over the world and race with different riders every year. The teams are different. Everything's different about it. And it's a one-off event and then it comes and goes. Uh, and then it's not part of anything else necessarily. I mean, nobody really knew it as being part of the world tour because, you know, nobody's really per se as the average sports fan in America engaged in that. And I think, you know, what we've got to do is we've got to create a sports product that, like I talked about, the average consumer can get behind. They can understand that the blue team versus the green team and here's in the league, you know, here's who's in the lead. Here's, here's who's, the, who's in this jersey. It's the same format from one race to the other. And just just set some standards, and we just kind of failed to do that. We put on some amazing one-off events here in America, but they've never been truly part of anything bigger, and there's been no consistency going back and forth to them to where if we're going to create a watchable product, you know, those, those sports people want to see us tell a story. And, and the story can't be that one day or that one weekend, that one race. It has to be throughout a season, and that's what we feel like this league concept and where we're going with standards at each one of our races and getting some sustainability within our teams. So the same team's back next year. So I am pulling for, you know, the Wolfpack out of Texas or, you know, good guys out of New York. I'm pulling for those guys next year because I remember them from last year and they've got a blue kid and I remember the blue team and I know this rider. And even after that rider's gone, we still have a team there that can live on past, you know, past maybe some of the individual name brands of individual riders. But I think we just haven't created a sports product. I mean, it's as simple as that. We've just failed to do fundamental sports marketing and create something that the average fan can engage in. So a lot of this discussion has been about the the past and the future. And by design, we haven't talked about the stormy present just because it's hard to talk about the confines of 2020 and what the coronavirus and COVID-19 are going to do to our sport. But I do think at least you know, on a, on a surface level, we need to talk about how coronavirus is gumming up these uh, five-year plans. How has it impacted the, the league's structure for leading into 2021? 
Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, you know, obviously, where we sit today, it's it's a it's a it's a work in motion. Um, we, it's 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 weird because as a, as a, we sit right now, you know, we've lost two events um, that were part of the series. The rest are remaining. We've moved some events to the fall, and so we're, we kind of kind of hybrid going right now. We're both we're both you know working to maintain what a twenty twenty calendar would look like, so that we can continue to race this year, if at all possible. At the same time, I mean, it's actually created some opportunity in that there's some dialogue happening with sponsors. There's some conversations happening, some work already being done on 2021 that might not have happened if we didn't have this extra window of time. And so, you know, my goal, our goal is to not take a step backwards. Whatever goals we had for 2021 is to be able to accomplish those, still make enough progress in whatever we do with this year to still reach what some of our goals were for 2021 so we don't take any steps backwards. Let's dig deep into the specifics of the way that this series works because I think for a lot of us who are rabid, passionate fans of the series, we understand that there are different jerseys, there are different events, there's different everything, and, and we sort of get how the points work. But you've got a series of events. Is there a cap on the number of events that you're going to have for the course of a uh, of a of a given season? Yeah, yeah. Just like any sports league would be, uh, we've got. I mean, there's only so much racing. No different than the NBA talks about. You know how many uh, events they can have. NFL, the same thing with us. I mean, we we're creating a team based model. There's only so many races our teams you know have the capacity to attend that that also work within a calendar. So. Yeah, we have a set number of events that we generally uh, keep to around 10 or 11. And it's, and it's really based on what the teams are comfortable with, what fits within, you know, within a calendar session, how the logistics flows. There's a lot of factors in there, but we do limit the number of events. So there, you know, there, there will never be 30 races part of the series. Now, again, there's another product we're working on that allows events, you know, at a different standard. But, but in terms of what we're talking about today with USA Crits, yeah, there will always be a fixed number of races. And within the series itself, you've got a set number of competitions, team competition, individual competition, young rider competition, lap leader. How did those different competitions come to bear? You know, just from experience over time, I mean, we, we try to do things that can use the same point system. And so, you know, we, we, we do. We have three, we have three leaders jerseys that kick off at the beginning of the series that go the way all the way through the end. And those are our individual competitions. Now, again, teams help to get points for those. So there's still a team aspect in that, but we have a young rider, best young rider competition. That's our, that's our grade Jersey. And that's essentially a U two, three type competition, you know, that's, that uses the same, all three of our jerseys uh, use the same point system essentially, except for the lap leader bike reg lap leader blue jersey is essentially laps red led and it's and it's as simple as that who's off the front every lap somebody leads and for every one of those you do you get a point and that's our lap leader competition and that's just to award aggressive racing off the front type racing um and that that's our blue you know bike reg jersey and so that's that's laps led and then our um orange jersey and our actual our gray jersey our colabita orange leader jersey and our gray jersey, our young rider jersey, work about the same, and that it's it's points accumulated, you know, by individual basis. And again, that's based on laps led. That's based on where you finish at the end of the race, and that's based on the uh, points premiums that we have that are set standards throughout the race that pay five deep and uh, have points five deep. And so we have those at fixed points throughout the race. And so you know, depending on where you cross the line at any one of those competitions at, at each event you accumulate points. And so 
you know, that, that is our standard that we have across the series that, that that is how you accumulate those points. And we, we address those leaders. And then of course we have our team competition, which we have both at each race and as well as throughout the entire year. And that's, that's the top four riders. So that, that same point system applies and we essentially take the top four points getters from each race for each team. Teams have a maximum of six riders. We take the top four points, you know, the points getters from each race, and then we score those and that accumulates your team points. And there's a team winner for that race and those accumulate throughout the season. And then there's a team winner at the end of the season. But within the confine of each race, you have the race itself. So you've got the, you've got the series and you can watch and you can watch that series points total evolve during the course of the year on road results. And you can watch what's happening in each race. Do you get the concern that there's just too much happening sometimes? Well, and, and there is right now. There is right now. And that's because we're, 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 we're grass rooting, you know, we're reverse engineering cycling, as I say, that, that in addition to us having all this stuff going on, there's, there's another race happening because that's the way we've been doing cycling. We're not to a point yet where we've grown the sports league enough to where these, this is the only thing going on in the race. You know, the Birmingham race that we had to cancel this year, this would have been the format. It would have been team-only format, and the teams would have gone head-to-head. Uh, our finals this year, should they happen in Winston-Salem, is going to be team-only. So it'll just be our teams racing. Uh, that takes some of that complication out. Uh, what we're going to build towards long terms is we're going to continue to grow this product to be where the race series races. The race at the end of the night is just our teams. And that simplifies it a lot because we don't have this other mixture of, of, of regional local riders mixed into their competing for the overall race, that there's a team competition going on. And what we're truly covering is just our teams in the race. And it, it just makes a lot more sense, you know, from a watchability standpoint and, and trying to understand so the answer to your question is absolutely right now there is a lot going on because we're mixing two worlds together. We're mixing where we're going and where we've been. And until we undo that and get past that, it creates a little bit of confusion over there's there's this other race going on within the race. Yeah, this was one of the things in, in researching this this interview that I I struggled with. And and you and I have had conversations beforehand in which we talked about the team only concept of of USA crits for 2021 or beyond. And when you initially said that to me, my gut instinct, my gut reaction was, well, I'm not on a D one team, but I still want to come and race your race. And so there was a lot of protectionism, but then I went back and you've been doing this great thing during this, this year is that you've been doing these, um, what do you call them? The live ish streams where you go back and replay an event and recently there was the uh, Westchester replay. And I remember Westchester really, really vividly in that there was the ButcherBox Cliff Bar race during the course of the men's race at the end of the night that was for all of the team competition. That was what it came down to. But then within the same breath, you had the Alex McLaughlin off the front chasing Frank Travieso off the front that got mixed in there because Frank wasn't on a D1 team. And so the incentive to to race different races within the inside one race was very confusing for the sports fan. So I'm I'm starting to come around to it and starting to come around to the idea of Rob Kelly doesn't need to be in the D1 race unless he's on a D1 team. 
but you're going to get a lot of people who are like me who are going to say, but I want to race. Right. And it's, uh, trust me, we deal with it. And it's, it's, it's a funny thing, this entitlement that we've created in cycling to where, you know, I said this to somebody the other day when I was talking, I've said it a lot, actually, is that, you know, there's what, four races in America that the average cat one guy can't just roll up and jump in. And, and that's the level of professionalism we've created. We've allowed our sport to become that, to where it truly is just local dudes out there racing is the highest level of, of bike racing in America. And we've set that standard and we've allowed that to be okay. And we're trying to create a product that is bigger and better than that. And it doesn't mean that if we have a team-based product at the end of the night, that we can't still have a really, really great, equally equivalent to what we have right now, P12 race that is highly entertaining, that has some of the great players in it, that does some of the same stuff. It's just not part of this team model that's the other one. And, and eventually we need to separate that out and we can have both. There's plenty of room for growth to have both the individual, local, regional, you know, dudes that want to jump in there and hammer, whether it's the master's race, the P12 race, the amateur finals, we can still have that product, but it's, 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 it's changing what people are comfortable with and that we've allowed to happen. And we can't have it both. We can't have it both ways that, that the local strong cat one, two guys want to jump in the biggest races in the country and have this created this, this professional sports product that is engaging to fans around the world to watch that they can get and watch and be entertained with from beginning to end. So it's not really about, am I on a team or can I get in? It's just like, look, we're kind of trying to create something that's better for the sport that, that makes these events different that makes them better than what we have right now. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be a great intelligentsia that exists the exact same way. And it's this wonderful, you know, grouping of bike races in Chicago over 10 days or toad or, or, you know, gateway cup. I mean, all these things continue to operate exactly like they are. We're just creating a new sports product that's on top of that. That doesn't have to replace the other, whether you're on a D one team or not, you know, hopefully what we create is a higher level that your goal is to say, Hey, as an amateur rider, I want to work my way up, you know, via point system, which is also something we're working on for crit racing in America that I work my way up and these teams are looking at me and then I can be on a team no different than I want to be on, you know, I don't know, my professional tennis team or my professional bowling, whatever it would be. There's, there's gotta be a higher level. And we failed to create that and, and make it, you know, make it something that, uh, you know, I really, like I said, sets another bar, sets another level. And so we're really not trying to do away with anything. We're not trying to eliminate anybody. We're trying to create something new that adds value. For Are everybody. you advocating for the criterium becoming a separate and distinct category of racing as compared to being lumped in as a road race with road, uh, legit point to point 70, 80 mile road races, circuit races, time trials, is the criterium its own thing now? It will be. And, and we're pushing to that. We're working with our crit partners across America. We're working with some, you know, some other partners to say, it's time. It's time for us to carve out crit racing. It's, it's no longer the bastard child of road cycling. It's the most prolific form of road cycling in America. I mean, we haven't had a race call us up in three years. It says, hey, I want to put on a new road race. Like, they're not happening. They're, they're going away. It's, and it's not even about competition. It's about what is working and what does work. And the fact of the matter is, is there's more crits than any other kind of road racing in America. It's a standalone product. It, it is its own animal. It needs to be marketed separately. It needs to be grown. 
It needs to be separated off as a sports product. And that's our intention is to eventually work with our crit partners across America and let's spin off crit racing as its own form of cycling and allow it to grow and thrive. This show is brought to you by Works and its full range of incredible products like the HydroShot, a battery-powered power washer that is precisely set to provide enough pressure to thoroughly clean your bike without blowing the grease out of the bearings. It is highly portable and just perfect for your Criterion weekends. It comes with a ton of adapters, including adapters for dropping it into a bucket or a two-liter bottle. No spigot necessary, so just attach it to that two-liter bottle, boom, you've got a freshly cleaned bike for every single start that weekend. Go to yourcleanbike.com, use the promo code GEARUP for 15% off your order. That's yourcleanbike.com and gear up, all one word, to save 15% off. While you're here, check out some of the other great shows on the Wide Angle Podium Network, including Bike Shop CX, The Consummate Athlete, The Slow Ride Podcast, or even CX Hairs' new sensation, The Rough Draft, available on YouTube on his YouTube channel. We've arrived at Chapter 3, Teams Over Individuals. Racing is about the racers, and the stories we tell on Mondays and Tuesdays are about their exploits. A successful series provides the environment and venues for great teams to perform. However, without those teams, our sport is lost. So the question is posed, how do you make a sport which outwardly appears like it's all about the individual champion the teams that actually make it all happen? We were talking about D1 teams, D1 crit racing teams, and this system where they are basically, there's going to become a requirement in order to compete in the show, you have to be a D1 team. What are the D1 teams? Obviously, we know who they are, but what are they? Yeah, well, you know, again, that's a, that's a hybrid from how we've grown the series, but D1 is our terminology that just separates, you know, essentially the name branding of the teams that, that agree to compete across our series. And, and Rob, what we, what we learned from years ago when, when we were just putting on a series, which was just a collection of events, is that whether it's, whether it's our series or whether it's any of the national, you know, the national road series that exists, is the data showed that there were very few to no teams racing a national calendar within America anymore, period. They just weren't showing up. And if we're going to have and create this other sports product, there has to be commitment. There has to be commitment, not just from us, but there has to be commitment from the teams. And in order to get that from the commitment from the teams, you know, we have to build this partnership to where we provide them benefit and they in turn agree to commit to the sports product that we're trying to create. Long term, it'll seem obvious, but short term, we've had to backwards bridge between the kinds of teams that, you know, what we've had built in America. And, and what we're seeing has been really cool this year is that for the first time this year, you know, we're truly having teams be built for the sole purpose of being a D1 team. And that's growth. That's production. That's positive movement forward that we have these teams that are they're organizing themselves with a goal of saying the entire purpose of our team is to go race the USA Crit Series and be a D1 team. 
And that's, 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 that's growth within cycling. That's positive. You know, we're not trying to go backwards and, and take these teams that want to go race in Europe and ask them to do something different. We're going to say, hey, here's this great product in America called Crit Racing. It's great for your sponsors. It's watchable. It's fun. You can still, for the most part, have a day job and be able to do this on the weekends. And we want to allow this other, this other team format to grow. And we want new teams to form uh, you know, and allow to do that. And so that's what we've done. And we put it together a benefits package that you know, we support these teams. We promote them. We give them entry fees into the races. We provide travel funds. We do a lot and, you know, we run a spreadsheet that's out there for people to see. It's like, hey, here's the math. Like, it's, it's a huge return on investment if you're willing to commit to it to be in the series. And so these teams commit and pay to be in the series and then we give them all the benefits back. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a mutual relationship that we have with our teams to where we support them and they support us. Does there come a point in time when you have too much interest in the way of different teams and you have to start culling? You know, I don't think you're there yet. especially since there's only six people per team allowed to line up for a race. But does there come a point in time when you've got, let's say, 20 different men's and women's teams trying to vie for a spot in a race whose course can only support so many human bodies? Yeah, yeah. Well, and again, we're going mean, to we're always going to have a limit on the number of D1 teams. I mean, again, there's only so much promotion and storytelling you can do. You know, we don't need 30 NFL teams, um, you know, I mean, it's, you know, per, per side or something, you know, we need some logical number that, that we can promote and manage within a race. And we feel like, you know, somewhere in the 10 to 12 range is a good number because it's, it's both, it makes for a good race, you know, environment on the course, but it also allows us the opportunity to introduce, you know, that's, that's a good number that we can actually promote and introduce out to the fans without them getting lost in all the teams. And, and we feel like, you know, you, there needs to be some limits on that because it, it creates a standard, right? We want to raise the bar. We want to keep raising the bar to what it means to be on one of these teams. Everybody kind of wants this to not be uncomfortable to go away from how we've done it. It doesn't mean there still can't be great t- crit teams racing crits across America that form for that purpose. And then the more we create and grow this product, the more I think that'll happen. And how, hopefully, you know, what we create is a standard that says, hey, what we're trying to work towards is being one of those teams. This is the highest level of, of bike racing in America, the highest level of crit racing. And we want to put together a squad that can justify why we want to get in. And eventually you earn your way in between, you know, racing across America and getting points or, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, all that other kind of racing kind of becomes the amateur, you know, the, the recruitment league, if it would be for what D1 teams are. But we're, again, we're not trying to to undermine or keep anybody out. We're trying to create a better product that, that gives everybody an upside. The last question I've got, which might be the hardest one of them all, is about creating a sport like cycling and moving it away from where it is right now, which is highly individualized, where the people who win are the people who are celebrated so much more than the teams that they are a part of. And moving it to a system where it is about the team. It's about the name on the front of the jersey as opposed to the name on the back, to borrow the, the football or baseball analogy. I think we're going in that direction for some of our teams. For a team like ButcherBox, it's all about the team. For a team like Legion, it really is about Legion and not about Justin and Corey. But so much of our sport has been geared towards one person crossing the line 
first at the very end, and he or she is the person being celebrated, not his team, not her team. How do we make this about the team and not about the one guy? Well, I mean, I think it, it starts with a couple of things. I mean, again, I'll go back to what we were going to do in Birmingham. Number one, you know, you have, you have to have a team structure, a team point structure within the race uh, if you want to have team race. And so, one, we established that. And then, two, uh, it's payout. It's, it's the fact that if, you, if we switch over to a team payout format that is obviously heavily weighted towards the top end people winning, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, if you're, if you're scoring four deep and you're paying out the overall payout based on how the team finishes, then it changes the dynamic. It creates a different dynamic within the race that is not just about the pure lead out for one guy or one lady, you know, and they win the race. It's about what happens during the race, right? It's because we don't want, just want the story to be what happens at the end of the night. We want the story to be who, went, who, led, who led the first lap, who led halfway, who, who was off the front. And when you have a team point structure, you create all that opportunity to tell that story within the race that it's not just about what happened, it's, it's what happened before halftime, what happened throughout the entire course of the race that accumulated at the end of the night. And you get different racing dynamics involved versus let's just all ride around in a circle for, for an hour and then see who can do the best lead out. You know, if we have this team structure to where the overall payout is based on teams and what happened, then, you know, you might sacrifice two guys who go get points off the front who still try to finish in the top 20. I mean, you, you address it in a different way, but I don't think you ever, you know, we never, we're never going to move away from having the importance of somebody winning the race. But I do think we can balance that out with the team structure and the point system of what happens throughout the race to make them equally important in terms of, you know, yeah, if you win the race, obviously you get a lot of points. That individual rider gets celebrated. But right after that, we've got the team podium. And that's one of the things we were going to do this year is we've got a team competition for our D1 teams at every single race. There's some payout for that. And we're going to, we're going to start off by recognizing the team that wins the race, you know, based on that point structure we've got set up. And I think as we move, we move towards that, we can do both. We can both celebrate the rider that wins, but, but we're really we're pushing towards what was the story in that race and how did their team help them win? And to do that, again, we've got to get, you know, we can't just have a bunch of individuals out there riding around. We've got to go to a team-based team based nature of the race. And I think all of those things will help us move away from, you know, not just being about the person that wins and truly creating a team-based, you know, environment. Well, Scott Morris, USA Crits, thanks so much for joining us. We will be checking in and following your guys' success and hopefully a 2020 season and definitely in 2021. All right, great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for joining us on this episode of No Trading Wheels. We are a proud member of the Wynigle Podium Network of Shows, the world's only collection of top-tier independent cycling content. For more information and links to the other incredible shows on the network, go to WideAnglePodium.com. This show was written, produced, and edited by me, Rob Kelly. For more content, follow us on Twitter at NTWheelsPod or on Instagram at NoTrainingWheelsPod. And your home for the best in American road racing is NoTrainingWheelsPod.com. Until next time, see you out of MacArthur Boulevard.